Welcome citizens, you're listening to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. Here, thinkers and doers always have a key to the city. The mayor is in, so office hours start now. It's another week, another episode of New Amsterdam Radio presented by SeatGeek. That's right, SeatGeek, promo code FLOPITO. How's everyone doing? I'm doing okay. As you're probably hearing this, I'm a little delayed this week. Uh, I'm actually working on something I'm very, very um, happy to share, but typically I would prep uh, a week's episode on Tuesday or Wednesday morning to be released Wednesday night on the West Coast and Thursday morning on the East Coast, but I'm a little delayed. And I want to apologize for those who would listen to the show as a commute from one place to the other. Um, You'd be the first group to know that I have been selected to be an honorary commander of the United States Air Force. So I'm kind of happy and excited to be able to be almost like a brand ambassador, uh, ceremonial role uh, with the military over the next year or so. So I was heading up to the base and getting my IDs and the podcast kind of fell to the wayside. But we won't fall to the wayside. Is your access to dope entertainment. SeatGeek, that's right. Promo code FLOBITO, F-L-O-B-I-T-O, gets you $20 off your first order. We're talking about playoff games. We're talking about concerts and more. Use Geek. Use FLOBITO. Get $20 off. Today's episode, Liz Altman is one of my new favorite people. She's an author, and she has a book called The Perfect Neighborhood. It has this really cool CD underbelly. You're really going to enjoy it. I know I did just a breath of fresh air uh, on the author's side. Let me know what you think. And if you want to be on the episode of New Amsterdam Radio, if you know someone who's working on a creative project, you had to hit me up at New Amsterdam on Instagram at new underscore Amsterdam on that Twitter or at new Amsterdam at gmail.com or new Amsterdam.com all with K's K and the W Amsterdam dot com enough of my rambling i'm gonna go back to doing the irl stuff the adult work in the meantime please enjoy my chat with liz alterman welcome back to new am sam radio the podcast for creatives it is i the mayor global boys in the mayor's office chatting with people who are making me laugh making me think and making me cry but my guest is not doing make me do the latter she's making me understand what it is to be an author please welcome liz alterman to the show liz thanks so much for being on Thank you for having me, Flobo. I'm thrilled to be here. You know, I have to say I have the most respect for authors, especially when you have a real life and having to like take time to write. Uh, question number one, how's that balance? Is there a balance? Do you believe Ooh. in balances? That's a great question. Well, you know, I, I feel like I used to try to have some balance and now I'm more in sort of like a catch as catch can mode. So um, you know, I have three children, they span in age from 20 to 15. And um, so what I used to do is I used to bring my laptop in my minivan. And if they had a sporting event, I would sit there and type, you know, during the practice session and then get out of the car for the game and, you know, lock the van, hope that the laptop was still there when I got back. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. Are you, were you a Nissan Quest minivan, Ford Windstar? Like <laughs> I, I, ha- I, I don't I know if I should do any product placement, but I do have a, a Honda Odyssey. And, yeah. Uh, my last one, it lasted 14 years until right. um, 
I have to say the the side doors stopped closing all the way. And it was it happened actually last January that I was driving home from the supermarket and I could uh, feel the January wind in New Jersey, see the sunlight. And I said, it's time for a trade-in. So Right, right. I, I hear that. <laughs> you never forget like the ones that are the cars you have or vehicles you have and specific parts of your life. You know what I mean? When I got to LA the first time, I had like my little like sedan thinking I was taking over the world and, and it um, said, no, we're going to die right here. But nothing about that. Uh, <laughs> the balance, the balance of it, trying to do the yes. family side and be, being an author. Yeah, the balance. So, I mean, it is, it's tough. Like I, I do, I try, I felt like I used to be very precious about it and like, oh, I need an hour. I need two hours. I need to really sit down and focus. Now I'm kind of like, okay, if I've got 10 minutes before I have to go here, I'm just going to try to reread something or jot down a line. I'm very big on, um, using the notes app on my phone. And just mm -hmm. if a line comes to me, I sometimes I can't figure out what I was trying to tell myself later. But I will, you know, sometimes I'll send myself an email, like when you get back to chapter 12, try to weave in this part. And, uh, you know, so far, it's it's served me okay. I definitely have those moments where I think, what was I supposed to do? Or what was I going to do? Yeah. But um, And it's funny, I'll joke that my kids, it, you know, we could be at dinner, and I'll ask them, you know, tell me about your day. What's new? Nobody's got anything to say. But the second I sneak away to try to write, it's like, let me tell you what happened to Jim, <laughs> Jim today. Or, you know, oh, yeah. what, what are we having for lunch tomorrow? And I think, like, where were these questions two hours ago? And <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I love it when I'm I'm busy and it's and it's so obvious I'm busy, and someone walks in and goes, Hey, I know you're busy. But exactly. <laughs> I like, if you know, why are you mm -hmm. doing that? Uh, so I, I can usually scare them back out of the room by saying, like, I'm going to read you this sentence and let me know, you know, what you think. And they're like, oh, OK, all right, yeah, that's enough. Bye bye. They're, they're so over it. They don't, don't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> She's putting me to work. Oh, no. Uh, exactly. Was writing always the path that you thought? Or was there a moment where it called to you and was like, do this? Um, you know, I think it was always kind of a long-term goal, something that I had wanted to do. Um, and I, sometimes I joke that I think maybe I was happier when it was just uh, like a dream and I wasn't really trying to make it happen because, mm -hmm. um, you know, of course, there's so much rejection as there is in so many other paths that people choose. I think whenever you're doing something creative that, you know, it's subjective, whose who's desk it lands on, maybe it, it will resonate, maybe it won't. And then there's so much competition. But I think growing up, I, I joke, like, I didn't have many other talents. I'm not athletic. I'm not um, super strong in math or science. I feel like reading, reading was kind of my one and only thing. Like I loved going to the library. I loved writing. So that was definitely something I always wanted to pursue. Yeah, this classic book fairs are all about that. Life. Oh my god, um, I love I love that. And now I don't know if you've been to one lately, but no, it's all like Legos and toys. Like the books are, you know, taking a, sort of a a backseat to all the other. Oh, <laughs> uh, I get it. Like it's a it's a devotion to play. I, I get it. Oh, it's right. like Comic Cons, you know. It, it'll uh, cost you. Let me tell you, it's. Uh... <laughs> oh, that's never changed. It's 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 always always book fairs and candy sales that are the scourge of parents. Exactly. <laughs> generations. Yeah, um, you do a part time job just for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. my kids. They have two of them, and they all have candy sales. Wow. Oh, I, know. I don't want to, I'll buy it, but I don't want to be home alone with the candy. Like I can't be trusted, you know? Right. Right. Uh, you know, it's funny. You mentioned about the difficulties of writing and one of my favorite quotes 
that's from Dorothy Parker, who says, I, I hate writing. I love having written. Yes, <laughs> and I, I love her quotes. So. Uh, just, just that puts everything in perspective. Uh, so let's talk about the jump. Uh, you know, there's a lot of writers out there, a lot of authors, and we'll get to your, I would say, very diverse uh, bibliography in just a second. But you decide to make that jump. I am going to be an author. You drop the aspiring tag. You're going for it. Was your network, your friends and family, were they all about it? Were they like, yeah, go for it? Or was it like, is that a real job? Like, what was the the vibe when you decided to say, no, this is my pursuit? That's a great question. I think um, for a while, I, I don't want to say like I kept it secret, but I guess because there is, you know, a lot of people try and don't make it. I felt like, but my poor husband has been listening to me say, I'm going to write a book for over a dozen years. And, and I, to his credit, he never said, stop talking about it and just go. Yeah. Write it. He would just kind of listen and nod and smile. And then um, he and I lost our jobs within six weeks of each other back yeah. in late 2013, early 2014. And that was kind of like, um, almost like a decisive moment in that um, I was writing a freelance article about a woman who started a local writer school. And just kind of a throwaway question at the end, I said to her, so what's your most popular class? And she said, memoir writing. Everybody feels they've got a story to tell. And uh, especially for older adults who want to leave something to, you know, generations, like their grandchildren, their children, it's very popular. So I kind of thought, um, I was kind of in a slump, I had lost a job that I had liked, but was very taxing. And yeah. I was trying to figure out my next move. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to take this class just for myself. And I'm going to try to write something like a memoir, like a full length work that's more than just the 1000 word or 2000 word articles I'd been writing. And it kind of started um, almost as like a hobby, like a way for me to get out of the house in the dead of winter and go do something fun and meet new people. Yeah. And then I got halfway through and I thought, you know, you have to see this to the end. You have to keep going. But I didn't really, I didn't tell many people about it at first because I wasn't really sure where it would go. And then of course, I feel like that was what was really nice about taking the classes was it was almost like these people that I didn't know outside of the class, but we bonded through the class. And so you could be very real and honest with them. Like I'm struggling. I don't know if I'm going to finish this. Whereas like, I think if you told a friend or a family member, they would probably either say like, well, of course, like I know my mother would be like, you have to, you started it, see it to the end. But where friends might be like, well, Liz, or my husband will say, you're trying to do something hard. You know, a lot of people <laughs> don't like it. Just, you know, move on, go do something else. But um, yeah. so I, I felt like it was great to have the support of a writer's workshop you know, people who are doing the same thing, facing the same struggle, and they really get it. Talking about the struggle, I was also in the, the corporate world, and I was uh, unceremoniously dropkicked out, which is oh. where I gravitated towards Sad Sacked, which was a memoir of your experience about being, you and your husband, being exactly. laid off and going back to back. Oh, I'm sorry oh. about your experience. I don't know how yours went down, but- um, I'm here now, that's all. Take that, corporate America. But for, at the time, it was pretty rough. <laughs> It is. And that's why I started. That's what kind of led me to write the book that I, I feel like you could go out on the internet and you will find so much advice on writing a resume or a cover letter or interview, you know, like role play with a friend. These are the interview questions and all of that. But nobody really was talking about like, 
ooh, my self-esteem just took like a major hit from that. Or, um, you know, for me, I was let go in like a 45 second conference call that it was like 200 of us joined in listen only mode. And it was mm -hmm. a woman telling us our position had been eliminated. And you were wow. just kind of like staring at the phone, like, am I hallucinating that that really happened? And, um, you know, it was very hard in that moment. Like we were told you got to send your laptop back. So like amid the shock, I was kind of thinking, okay, what do I, what do I do next? Do I try to get all my contacts moved over? Like, do I reach out to my colleagues who are in the same boat and, you know, commiserate, like, where do we even begin with this? And, uh, what do you do about your healthcare? What do you do with the retirement plan you had in place? Like, uh, and then, you know, part of me, I'm sure you too, like when you're in that groove and you're conscientious, like I'm thinking about all the things that were undone, like all of the work I'm just leaving behind. And you're kind of like, well, not my worry anymore, but it's yeah. all of those things that I wanted to touch on. And then, you know, trying to put yourself out there. Like I went on interviews where the interviewer forgot I was showing up and, um, Oh yeah. You know, I had driven uh, to Manhattan and to in the middle of the summer to like this super touristy landmark, and um, you know, I got there. It took me ninety minutes, and uh, she was like, "Wait, who are you here to see?" You know, they had completely <laughs> forgotten, and just all of those crazy things, like um, trying to beat the algorithms and the robots to get your resume seen, and yeah. uh, just how disheartening that all is. Yeah, I, I and again, I apologize to long-term listeners because I think I've I've told the story in very different iterations. But one of the cool things, or not so cool things, I've I've come across. It's cool in a way, and I'll explain a minute. Was the way I was let go. So I my last my second to last job was I worked in this giant company that they sold mortgages. Uh, I got fired in a weird by accident way. It was Thanksgiving Day. Oh wow! I get a call from my accounts payable saying, "Hey, we just want to confirm your address for the your four hundred one k disbursement." And I go, oh, man. why are you dispersing my 401k? Oh, we'll get back to you. Oh, <laughs> and my so gosh. they beat my boss to tell me it was gone. And I was in Vegas that day. I was I was celebrating because I had a good job. <laughs> you know? yeah, right. Of course, yes. Yeah. It, it really shifts. Like, that's how I, I'm sure you can relate. But when we lost ours, I, like my kids would be like, can we get pizza on Friday? I'm like, not for $14. No, I can get you a Celeste pizza for one ninety-nine cents from ShopRite. Like that's all we're getting now. <laughs> right. And even though I, I joke and I say I have kids, I don't. And I, that's why I think it's harder for parents because your kids, not to say they don't, they're not grateful or ungrateful. It's kind of like they understand a lifestyle right. and it's hard to understand that you go off to this building and that, that building ain't there no more. And exactly. it's trying to, trying to adjust. No and so not rolling it, in anymore. Exactly. Um, so entertainment was always on the side for me, but when I got out of the, I mean, I was pushed out. I was like, well, that's the only thing I like. Let me try. And I failed for about two or three years. Uh, I was trying to make ends meet. I've done some things I'm not proud of, jobs I'm not proud of, two college degrees, delivering groceries. Right. Uh, but, you but what made you, what you have to do? You have to do, you have to do. But what made you decide, and then this is going to the rest of your bibliography, but what made you decide, you know what? This is a story that needs to be told for other people to well, experience what you went through. Thank you. I think that's such a good question. And I kind of touch on it a little bit in the memoir, but I felt like my husband and I, so we were home and, you know, we had told family and, um, it, you know, it's kind of, it was embarrassing certainly to be, or, or I don't know how you felt, but I felt like it hit me personally. Like I felt like, even though I was part of this larger group of people laid off, I still felt like I was trying, I was working hard. I was a good employee. Like, how did this happen? And, um, 
then when I would tell people we were invited to a neighborhood dinner party and I feel, I always say like, I feel like in the U S when you see someone, their first question is, what do you do? Or how's work? Nobody says like, are you taking a vacation? Or I always try, I guess, because I love to read. I tend to lead with like, are you reading any good books right now? Or other people will say like, what are you watching? But I feel in, the, in the US, it's so much about what you do and how that's your identity. And so my husband and I go to this neighborhood dinner party and everybody's like, how's work? And I have to reveal like, well, I was laid off and Rich was laid off. And it, you could just almost see them back away. Like we were contagious, you know? <laughs> but then as time went on, different people would come up to me and say like, you know, I lost my job two years ago. Like it was almost this confessional kind of thing that nobody really wanted to talk about it or admit it. And just again, this was probably like around 2014. So I think the pandemic has made layoffs a lot more mainstream and a lot easier to talk about. I mean, unfortunately, but I think it's removed a bit of that stigma that like if you've been laid off, it's not anything that you did wrong or, you know, it, it's just, it can be completely arbitrary that, your company is, you know, cutting, cutting expenses, cutting costs or whatever they're, well, who knows what they're doing, but, yeah. but it's not as personal. But I felt like there were people out there who experienced the same thing, who didn't feel comfortable talking about it. And I felt like this is something that should be talked about because we're all experiencing those same emotions of, you know, the loss of self-esteem, fear how are you going to pay your rent or your mortgage or your groceries like where's my health insurance going to come from like all of those crazy things you're faced with at the same time you're job hunting and so i wanted to really explore that and um give a voice to that because i and and kind of approach it with humor not make yeah. it as dire as it can feel at 2 a.m when you're <laughs> <laughs> yeah. wondering like should i turn the heat down to 60 how am i gonna <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It's it's so those of you who are listening to this episode, when Liz mentioned the pandemic, I smirked a bit and not to like laugh at the pandemic because there was a lot of things that, that went wrong, obviously. But for me, as someone who was self-employed about two, three years beforehand, it was like finally people understand. Right. Uh my parents, so they're they're boomers, <laughs> all right, boomers, their identity is so tied to what they do for a living. Absolutely. Uh un unfortunately, I call myself Gen Y, but as a millennial, I felt like we were defining ourselves in certain, like LA, by not so much your job, but by your side hustles. Okay, yeah, you do some day there, but what, what you do in the side, brother? And there was times when I was doing absolutely zero. And I used to go to parties and say, I'm doing nothing and just wait for a reaction. Like, nope. Not doing a thing, not at all. Not, not <laughs> buying into it, right? Not, not. I just, I just walk around and I eat some food, and that's pretty much it. And I thought it was kind of funny. So I, my question at parties I ask is, what's the dream? And oh, sometimes yeah. people go, "Whoa, that's a lot to ask." I'm like, "Your dreams are a lot to ask." Right. I'm sorry. That's really funny, right? You might uh, want to do some some self uh, examination if you <laughs> tone it down. <laughs> uh, so when I uh, googled. Yeah, I, you could totally use it. It totally works. It's a nice icebreaker. <laughs> so when I was I was googling uh, you on on the interwebs, uh, which I thought was pretty funny. It's not so much your website came up. It was the quote uh, from your book, The Perfect Neighborhood. It goes, "Think you know your neighbors? Think again." Which I'm like, oh, sad. That sounds like awesome. So that thriller. Uh, that's all. Put me in that. Put me in that space. You had the memoir already on the list, and you said 
now I'm going to hurt some people. <laughs> it's literary <laughs> for right. Well, I, I have to say, I guess, I, as I said, I love to read, and I love I love to read across genres. So. Um, I love memoir, but I also love thrillers. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I love when you get like hooked on a book that you don't want to put down, like those days when I'm I'm just stuck in the pages and I am kind of like, okay, everyone's on their own for dinner, make a sandwich, like go forage in the basement. I can't stop until I know who did it. So I kind of wanted to write, I wanted to try my hand at writing something like that. And um, I had a dream about a book and I have to say for better or worse, I've always lived in suburbs in New Jersey that are very similar similar to the setting of this novel where, mm -hmm. you know, things might look really pristine from the outside, but kind of everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people have their secrets or um, just different things going on sort of beneath the surface that you wouldn't necessarily suspect. And so, uh, yeah, I had a dream about um, kind of the plot for this and I had the beginning and the ending, but not the middle. And um, it was kind of funny. I told my husband the idea and he was like, mm, I don't think that's going to work. Uh, I think he was kind of <laughs> used to me for a while. I just wanted to write like humorous top 10 lists or, um, you know, kind of like the memoir essays here and there. And um, but I kept kind of coming back to the characters and the idea of this neighborhood. And uh, it centers around um, a model and actress who leaves her husband, who's a former rock star, in the middle of the night. And one neighbor sees her leave. And they realize, I guess just in talking about it, this isn't, she's not just flying off to another gig. She's gone and nobody's seen her since. And so all of these neighbors kind of gossip and they're kind of like, if that, if that couple can't make it, how are we going to make it? Like they were this old couple. <laughs> and then fast forward two months and a little boy goes missing on his walk home from kindergarten. And that kind of sends them reeling and thinking, you know, we were so focused on the Langleys and their marriage and what happened there. Was there a predator in our midst or is it someone among us who has taken this child and is he still alive and what's going to happen next? And then sort of complicating matters. It's the fact that uh, the babysitter, who's a high school senior, she was late on the day the boy goes missing. She was supposed to be there waiting at his house. He just has like a couple blocks to walk from school. Normally he walks with a friend, but that day the boy, the his classmate had a dentist appointment. So it's sort of, well, I also wanted to touch on how, you know, on any given day, there could be sort of this almost like chain of events that takes you from just your normal day-to-day -day life into something either tragic or wonderful or just completely unexpected. And so that babysitter has a secret of her own. And so it's the book is told from multiple points of view and you get to learn about different characters from the person who's telling the story at that moment. And I'm sorry if that wasn't too long-winded. <laughs> no, it's actually pretty cool because you wrote a book based on a genre you love and my first novella was a genre i didn't like Ooh, <laughs> so because because well because well, growing up in brooklyn i didn't let's say I, I i didn't appreciate because my dad does um i didn't understand westerns like i, I don't know why the 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 long-term love affair with the time that didn't quite exist the way that even back then i go that's not really accurate so my first novella was a neo-western i wrote a genre in modern times oh, based on cool. all the the tropes like the cowboys uh don't have horses they have ford mustangs that kind of thing 
Oh wow! Uh, but really cool about your your premise. So talk to me about like the, the 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 growth of it. I know your book is on an imprint, but a lot of times we have a lot of self published authors and they do like focus test reads and things like that. Did you do that still, or did you let your your imprint handle that? Like how did you like take notes and and make your book better? Second, third, fourth, fifth, twelfth draft. Oh, thanks for asking. Well, what I I did. I started it in January before the pandemic began, and I signed up again with the writer school that helped me get my memoir going. And so we only made it in person maybe three or four times before the pandemic hit. And then I was very fortunate that we continued meeting online. And so every week I would show up over Zoom with eight or 10 pages. And this is a tip I would give to writers. That's something I swear by is reading aloud, I think can really help you realize what's working and what is just you know, sounding super clunky or if you're overusing words. So we would meet and read our pages aloud and then get live feedback from the instructor and from our peers. And so that was so helpful. So after the class, I would go back and try to rework, you know, anything they said that like, I'm not buying this or, well, what about this? You didn't talk about that. And so I would kind of do that in real time the next week, share more pages. And then um, I guess when I got it, as far as I felt like I could, I hired a developmental editor and um, she's amazing. Her name's Amy Tipton with Feral Girl Books. And she's not only like a great editor and she, I mean, she can be tough when she has to be like, this doesn't make any sense. Or for example, the word t-shirt, like sometimes I had it like T hyphen shirt another time. Yeah. And she's like, be consistent, pick one, <laughs> stick with it. Or, you know, I'm trying. <laughs> exactly. yeah, she'll point out everything that's wrong. So it's a, there's definitely an element of tough love, but she has so much heart and so much um, insight into like how to make something better. And so she was really amazing. And she, the other thing that's great about her is she's quick. Like you're not going to wait two months for a turnaround. She could get back to you within a week. I mean, depending on her schedule, I may have hit her at a good point. But um, so she really, it was kind of, you know, it's hard when you get a list of edits and you have to go back and rework. But um, at the same time, like after you read it and it's kind of like, once you get past that initial gut punch, you're like, all right, I'm going to dig in again. So I printed out my manuscript and I just kind of, my husband will laugh because he's kind of like, if anybody saw how you were doing this, no one would think a book was actually going to come out of this. I, so I have this stack of pages and I'm like crossing things out. I'm drawing arrows. I'm making stars like move this to this chapter. And I just kind of pulled it all apart and put it back together again um, before submitting it to publishers. So it was definitely like a long process. And sometimes... Yeah. I joke that, um, you know, I used to think the writing was like the hardest part, but now I'm starting to think it's kind of like the revising and the, you know, trying to take that step back and do like an overview of the whole thing and see like what's working, what's not. And especially when you've put so much time and love into it to then take it all apart. It's like, you know, almost like dropping a cake on the floor. Like, oh my God. <laughs> you know Is it what? cake? Right. <laughs> Okay, so you had a team uh, that that supported you to make that happen. But as an artist, I have to ask you, how do you separate yourself from these notes? When did you decide to say, oh, that's a good note, let me try it. And, and then you go, oh, heck no, I'm going to go in this direction. You're asking for something in that direction. What's that balance like in taking notes and implementing them? That is hard. I think sometimes... 
almost I, I have like a gut reaction like and and sometimes I read it through and I try to tell myself like your first reaction may not be the right reaction still sit with it and come back to it and what works like a lot of times I'll see a note and I'm like oh my gosh of course thank you that helps me so much and other times I'm like oh I don't know about that and um yeah so that that was definitely hard to kind of weigh like what what works what doesn't work and i think also in today's thrillers um there there's they're like constantly upping the ante of more twists more twists but you can't i'm very big on i want in the end for the reader to feel satisfied or to feel like okay that all made sense there wasn't mm -hmm. something that was left dangling or you know there might be a cliffhanger or where is it going to go next but there i didn't want anything in it to be unexplained or to think like well that that real that came out of nowhere and she never went back to that or what happened with that so i wanted to tie all that stuff up so sometimes i feel like there can be a tendency to want to push authors in the direction of like throw in another twist or like you know yeah. throw in an alien like it just doesn't it's not <laughs> it's not you know you can't have like martians pop up in a <laughs> right you're not in that genre it's just like too 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 much um i don't know Everyone knows that if you watch Men in Black, aliens live in Manhattan, not Jersey. That's so right. I'm just, I'm just right. putting it up there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> saying, like you can't, you know, that whole, like if, if there's a gun in the first act, it, it needs to go off in the third. Like there, you have to, I feel like you have to build to something. So sometimes I think it's good to resist those gratuitous twists or things that just are almost like to, to throw the reader too far one way and then not give them the resolution that's satisfying in the end. You hear that, listeners? We got a Chekhov's gun reference. We're educational and entertaining as well. Uh, so, so with the release of the book, The Perfect Neighborhood, uh, what's it been like? As well as support, been doing book signings. Uh, what have audience, what have the fans have said uh, when they engage with you? Um, you know, they've really been lovely. It's been so nice. Um, just a few weeks ago, I got a, a nice email from a man in California and in, in Oakland. And I guess he had picked up the book at the library and he had said, you know, it was he found it to be one of the best. He reads a lot in that genre. And he was saying um, one of the best he's read in a while. And then he was funny because I had written a young adult thriller before that. And um, he was saying my library doesn't have it and um i can't find it in the system and so i said you know rather than uh, rather than um you know send him kind of like off to buy something like i never know especially these days what anyone's financial circumstances are so i said to him you know you've been so lovely let me just send you a copy because yeah <laughs> rather than you know because i was going to send him like well could you ask your library to request okay. it or could you go on amazon and buy it but i thought you know what here's someone who took the time to write to me. So I'd love to send him a copy. So I did that. And it's just, it's been really nice to, to connect with readers. And um, Instagram has been such an interesting thing for me to see um, the bookstagrammer community, just, you know, mm -hmm. so much support there and um, just lovely. I love seeing how people will take your book and then put it in this like super cool setting or they'll you know pose their dog next to it and uh or because of course it's the perfect neighborhood i've gotten to see you know a lot of people will um hold it by their pool or their picket fence and <laughs> just to see the creativity and the, the time and effort that people have put in um it's just really like a special feeling or i love like i saw a woman packing it to go on vacation and i was thinking like 
this book is going so many more like cool places than I am. Like, yeah. <laughs> if I could that, travel with this book, that would be fun. Amazing. Being able to create something that resonates with people. Uh, that that book, uh, The Perfect Neighborhood, Sad Sack, and he'll be waiting, available on Amazon, wherever fine books are sold. And your local library, apparently. That's pretty yeah, I, I always send people, the, <laughs> I go to the library all the time myself. And um, yeah. like I said, I, I feel like it's, I love it when people buy a book or give a book as a gift. And I try to do that too. But I know it's, um, especially if you're an avid reader, it's really cost prohibitive now, uh, depending on I know my publisher probably wouldn't want me talking like this, but I, I'm always like, hey, go to the library, request, ask your library to get it. And then I feel like it's not just one reader who has access to it, but, you know, it'll be on the shelf if anybody happens to find it. That's, you know, another reader who might not have seen it otherwise. So I, I have to agree with you. Like, don't get me wrong. Royalties are great. I'm not, right. I'm not discounting that. But how many times have you bought your friend's book and put it on the shelf and go, I'll get to that later. Whereas if you're at a library and there's late fees, you're really more inclined to right, you're book, motivated. Right? Yeah. Uh, before we went live uh, on our, our interview, you talked about goals for next year. Uh, it's already 2023 as this is airing. Uh, what do you have planned out for the next 12 months? Well, that's a great question. Thank you for asking. I've actually started work on a new manuscript and um, I've, I was hoping to set a deadline. Um, my birthday's in April and I was hoping to complete it by April, though that may be too lofty a goal, <laughs> but at least put the draft down and then revise it. And then um, I was excited that I guess I'm part of the Women's Fiction Writers Association and they did a silent auction last year where they auctioned off um, a weekend in a cabin as like a writer's um, you know, kind of like quiet time to revise. So my goal is, so I quote unquote won it. I get, I get like oddly competitive when there's a silent auction and especially for charity. I'm, I'm like, I want to win this. So uh, <laughs> I did, I won the cabin. So I'm kind of holding out the cabin as almost like a carrot. Like, okay, if you finish this draft, you can go to this cabin and revise it. And I mean, hopefully also a lot of thrillers now are being set in scary cabins. So hopefully I'll make it back a lot. <laughs> yeah. Hey, wait a minute. What are you doing? That's a premise right there. You know, exactly, one author right. just wanted to revise her manuscript in a cabin. In a scary uh, cabin in the woods, right? Like you go for the solitude, but maybe you, you end up. Uh, I had a lot of. No unexpected guests. Right. I was like, I had a lot of issues where, where I'm just going to be in some dark rooms, but definitely dark rooms in the middle of the woods. Sure. Right. Uh, so Liz, love the fact you're on the show. Here. I'm Sam Ray, the podcast for creators. Before we get out of here, got to ask you the toughest question we ask our guests. And that is, what is your favorite junk food? Oh, wow. I'm going to go with French fries. Is that okay? Does that, does that count as a junk food? I, I, I guess mean, technically, I yes. <laughs> I mean, technically, yes, but I, I eat so much of it. I hate to to admit that it is. So. I know. I, I can never resist. Like, and if I have one, then I'm going to eat the whole batch. You know, I can't I can't walk away. What is your cut of, of favor? Are you waffle? Are you steak? Are you shoestring? I probably would go with shoestring. And then this is a terrible thing I've gotten into. Now these truffle oils that are everywhere. Like, if I walk in a restaurant and smell that truffle oil, I'm like, oh, I need the fries with the truffle oil or whatever. And um, I seem to be the only one in the family who likes it. So at least that's, 
keeping me from making it in the house because like if, if I opened that those floodgates, I would I would never stop. <laughs> <laughs> That's always the first sign. I only have it socially with friends. All right. After a hard week. <laughs> exactly. Right. I'm not bringing it in the house. I, I can stop whenever I want to. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you be judging me. Uh, Liz, if someone's listening to you right now on the show and they want to interact with you, hit you up, maybe see what's coming down the pipe, how they go about interacting with you. Oh, they can find me on my website at LizAlterman.com. I'm also Liz Alterman on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And I love interacting with fans. If anyone chooses any of my books um, for a book club or, you know, a school, I've, I've been very grateful to be able to zoom into some high schools to chat with young readers for my YA novel. Uh, I'm happy to pop in for as little or as long as a book club will have me. So they can yeah. certainly reach out. Through my uh, website. I, I'm not asking for a sequel because that'd be kind of weird, but is there going to be another memoir also in the future? You know, thanks for asking. I have, I'm actually in the process of putting together an essay collection um, that kind of focuses. Unfortunately, I lost my dad in May of 2021. Sorry, and yep. thank you. Uh, I'm just kind of trying to work on a collection that deals with. Um, like kind of dealing with grief at middle age and helping an older parent while also raising kids and kind of, you know, almost like um, processing grief in a world that doesn't really stop for loss, that type of thing, but also kind of bringing a bit of humor, like just as a quick aside, um, I took my mom, she wanted, after months, she'd been really wanting to get the headstone in place for my dad at the cemetery. And um, she's very, very chatty. And so we're talking to the man and he's describing the different marbles and stones. And she's, she keeps interrupting him to ask him like personal questions. Like, uh, you know, um, you said you're going on vacation. Where are you going? And then he says a cruise. <gasps> what ports are you stopping in? And then she's asking him about like, you know, his grandchildren and everything. Then she and I get in the car and she's like, oh, I thought he would never stop talking. And it was just, you know, different. Like, <laughs> I felt like we could find humor along the way in different at different times during what was otherwise a very sad process. So um, I'd like to approach that topic with some humor and, and hopefully there's an audience, um, you know, who needs that. So we'll see. Absolutely, Liz. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I got a feeling that I would like fit in with your family like that. That's kind of cool. Let's oh, go, man. Yes, I know when I when I've listened to your show and you talk about your mom, I'm like, oh, I feel like our moms would be good friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can I have you back on a future episode to see how everything's going? Can I check in? Oh, with I you? would love that. Thank you so much for asking. I'd love to stay in touch. Thanks so much for listening to New Amsterdam Radio. Learn more about the show at newamsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W Amsterdam.com. Until next time, this city is yours. <laughs> <laughs>